We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Prize Picks coming at you late Thursday evening. It's February 15th, and it is the All-Star break. The Wolves win by 37 in Portland tonight after leading by 30 uh, after the first quarter. But don't worry, we are not <laughs> we are not going to spend an hour talking about that game. I'll, I'm sure we'll hit on some themes from the game. Uh, but I thought what really stood out to me afterwards was uh, some commentary from Finch, some commentary we got from the, the players in the locker room uh, after the game, talking to them and just sort of, yeah, kind of assessing where this team is entering into the All-Star break and what they've done uh, thus far at this at this juncture of the season. And then also uh, kind of at the end of the episode, I went through and put together just some stats of where the Wolves rank um, in, in the league right now at All-Star break. We're just going to kind of run through some of them and do the the Wolves are 15th in offense uh, at the All-Star break. Do we think they're going to finish higher or lower than that uh, by the end of the season? And just kind of run through some of the main ones there. But, uh, but yeah, we just got back from uh, Moda Center. We're here in Portland. I got Kyle Tagge with me. Kyle, one more pod before the All-Star break. Let's do it. Again, Jimmy Butler meme. Just exhausted, leaning over the balcony. Uh, yeah, I think I think what we've put the together- balcony. What is that? The stanchion again? It, we're we're about it when your phone turns red on an iPhone. That's about how we're feeling now. Uh, but yeah, a lot of a lot of pause this week, a lot of content, and I think it's again not to get super sappy at the top, but we talked about this on the drive there on Tuesday and Thursday a year ago when this team was playing the Blazers in one of these doubleheader sets again. The vibes were just the best way to describe it was you know that if you're going through hell, keep going, right? And you should just. Explain that quote. <laughs> it was it was the Wolves Blazers. It was another one of these two game sets. It was December twenty twenty two. So, but last season, and the vibes were just bad. I mean, Port- Port- and yeah. Portland had a different team. They still had Dame, but the Wolves had made this Rudy Gobert trade. They're trying to figure it out. They don't have Carl. He gets hurt, and they're kind of just trying to keep their head above water. And then, yeah, post game, I think it was the second game. Just asking Kyle, like, what do you do? Because you could feel it, right? This is the mm-hmm. smallest. Yeah, it couldn't have been a different vibe of that time when we were leaving that game in Portland to what it was tonight. But yeah, sorry. Continue. No, no, no. And it's just like, 
for the locker rooms I've been in, and I've been in about a dozen away locker rooms now. Like that's it. It literally is the smallest locker room I've ever been to. Yeah. So I mean, it's very tight. And a year ago, when it was just like the vibes were so bad, you could just feel it. You could feel kind of the toxicity and the frustration. And that's when you would talk to Kyle Anderson, and Kyle was like, "Yeah, when your best advice I have is when you're going through hell, keep going." And again, not to get super Hallmark card, but they did keep going and. This summer, they decided to basically run it back, the run it back tour, and keep most of the same guys. And now you have this team that, as they enter this all-star break, and not to make this all about myself, but like, ironically, last all-star break, I remember being at Target Center the game before the break. They're playing the Wizards, a lowly Wizards team. They dropped that, and again, the vibes are just so bad. And to fast-forward a year now, my biggest takeaway is just being around these guys, this team, people who work for the team for 72 hours. The vibes are immaculate, and it's not just because I think they're winning. Winning helps, and a lot of guys said that, but the relationships that these guys are starting to build, the, the quotes that we've gotten from like Ant about Rudy and Rudy about Cat and Nikhil about Mike, like the it's just a real a team in a really good place that, and we'll get into these with some of the quotes tonight, that is not satisfied or happy with where they are right now. And I think that's that's like a level of maturity that I personally just haven't seen covering this team for seven years. There was the the one quote in the locker room today. And sorry, we're recording this right afterwards, so I haven't had time to like go through and clip audio clips. But I, I do want to kind of read this one. Uh, Chris asked Rudy Gobert, uh, Chris Hine did after after the game, what what have you thought of this team's approach this season? He kind of got into that. He goes, I can feel that we have this is Gobert. He said, I can feel that we have a perfect purpose. Personally, I came here to help this team win a championship, but last year. It was kind of a lot of adversity. We realized early on that it probably was not going to be that year, but we could feel that we had the potential. And this year from day one of training camp, it was a different focus, different mindset. We learned obviously from everything that happened last year and it made us grow. It made us grow as a team. And this year we have a purpose. We know why we're here. We're not here to just be first in the West. We're not here to just have a good year. We're here to try and win a championship and everyone is aware of it and everyone believes in it. And that, you know, being around this team every day and being around that team every day last year, yeah, like they wear both of those. They wore that on their sleeves last year too, right? That 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 they weren't there. That there there was the adversity, but there was also the interpersonal conflict. There was those things, and this year it's different, you know, and. And I do think it is just as much about the time as it is the winning. Obviously, the winning makes players. I've learned this year more than any that it, it changes the way in which they, they they talk after the games and their willingness uh, to be expressive about what is going on for better or or for worse when you're when you're kind of when you are above water in that sort of way. And yeah, the I don't know. I was thinking about that when you're listing like the Nikhil and Mike. And there, there just is a ton of offshoot relationships one-on-one um that connect on this team and and last year and quite frankly in seven years of doing this it was always clear that some strings didn't attach and and that that sounds like it was all like toxic it's actually the norm mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. to have like some guys that are just co-workers right um rather than in it together and and that's what i was thinking about yeah, again, after the game and some of the players talking about Ant 
and Carl and Finch going to to All Star and um and sort of their their messaging and I think real belief is it is the three of them being there for All Star and the rest of the coaching staff is a representation um of this entire group because uh yeah I mean Carl isn't what Carl is this year without Rudy is Rudy isn't what Rudy is without Carl and Ant and you know it it, it does it does all connect. We see that on the floor uh, every night, but probably the small extra bit of insight that we can provide is um, it shows up in a way different than I've seen in, yeah, for sure, any any Wolves team I've ever covered, but it's, it's probably rare in general uh, across the NBA. Um, the not only communal way in which they are interacting with each other, but yeah, just the and also professionalism. Like they're a serious team too. You know, the second quarter was all that serious tonight. But in the aggregate, what when you look back at over the course of this season, um, they are a serious team, and and that has to do, I think, a lot with what happens off the floor, almost as much as what happens on the floor. Yeah, I'm just I'm a big proponent of of the phrase be where your feet are. And I've been lucky enough this week to just kind of have my feet entrenched around this team. And, and you know, listen, like I I consume everything that you and Chris and Jason, John and Britain stuff do. Uh, but to be around it, like Dane has tweeted out so many good quotes from that we've gotten post game and pregame and talking to Finch, talking to the players. And you could be a pessimist or just like, oh, you know, whatever, that's cheesy or whatever. They're just saying that. But when you're just kind of there, I'm just standing next to like seven foot two Rudy Gobert and to see how much him and Carl like have bonded two guys that 24 months ago were probably enemies <laughs> as they were like fighting for not only, you know, a place in, in player rankings or two centers, but like money and, and wins and all this stuff. And just to see how galvanized this team is, you, you made some comment earlier about how everything is just different. Well, the one thing that's not different is the roster or the coaching staff. It's all the same people. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it, it, And that's, again, something so new to me because as a sports fan in general, forget the Timberwolves like or forget NBA. It's just when you cu- when you follow a team that's your favorite you know, sports team, if things don't work, you usually like, okay, off season. What are we going to do? This change, this change, this change. And this team, for whatever reason, at the top, the middle, and the bottom thought, we don't really need to change the recipe. We just... We don't even really need to change the ingredients. We just got to, my wife bakes all the time. Like we just got to bake it again and let's just see, like, you know, give it a little more time, let it rest a little more. And it's been really cool. And not to make this just, again, one big Dr. Phil session, but uh, I mean, Finch was pretty open pre and post game on Tuesday and Thursday, acknowledging and telling us like at shoot around, we know this is a trap game. And like, I've never really heard a coach say that being so upfront, like, Kind of being like, hey, we know this team that we're about to play for the next two games is bad. And when we play bad teams historically, we play bad. And yeah, you can point to a second quarter lull tonight or whatever, but everyone, you and I spent all Valentine's days, sadly, just watching League Pass <laughs> in our like in sweats. And there are so many teams that are just ready for Christmas break to kick in and to be the last game on the schedule 
I mean, there are people celebrating All-Star Weekend. Carl was joking about this pregame, right? There are people in Indianapolis doing events and marketing things, and the Wolves hadn't even tipped off yet. Like they got you, know, the- you know Finch is coaching practice at 9 a.m. tomorrow? I just need people to understand how disgusting that is. Because it is, <laughs> I looked it up, like, I the two planes took off from, if you care about this stuff, from Portland tonight. One brings the Wolves back home, and then the other brings this large contingent of Finch and Luca Garza and Carl and some blades of people all in Naples. It doesn't arrive till 5.30 a.m. Like, yeah, man, I know they're flying like chartered flights in first class, but Finch has to get up, do his hair again. It was looking great all week. And then like coach all-star. <laughs> That's brutal. So yeah, for, for them to know that like, we're so close, we could just let go of the rope for a little week. No one's going to really care. We can pick it up later. Uh, they kick the shit out of the Blazers in two games. And, you know, again, there's those little moments where they kind of let let go of the rope. But 40 to, 45 to 15, I know we weren't going to talk about it too much, but 45 to 15 in that first quarter, it's another statement. They came out and they were, when they're good and they're playing like that, it does allow you to creep into like how, how far can this thing go? And now the challenge is, and I asked Finch about this post game, is like, they're so good right now. They're riding high. They're like one and a half games up in the West, second best record in the league you've been doing this for three months now how do you make sure that when the guys come back there is that as finch said laser focus right rudy said the same thing he's like the goal is to win a championship carl said like we're not just happy winning games like this is just a point this isn't i don't think ant even knows where they are in the standings that's no clue what true because <laughs> <laughs> chris chris hein asked him after the game he's like well how important is the one seed to you and ants just like i don't know like I just kind of like Ant probably doesn't have the ESPN app or check the standings, but <laughs> but no, I mean you you couldn't have asked for anything more. Uh, I I I would still think no matter what the talent level difference is between two teams, these back to back games in the same city are a little difficult. I think historically you you do see teams split most of the time, and of all the nights in the thirty five years of the Minnesota Timberwolves, tonight just seemed like the night that they all could have had one foot. I mean I think. Not to put Leonard Miller under the bus, but Leonard Miller, I think, is going to Cabo for the first time. Like he could have just been mentally in Cabo, like the Milwaukee Bucks were tonight. And they they found a way. They they slipped up a little bit in the second, but then they again just flexed on him and did the same thing. Finch said, Our defense travels and we're gonna need it again as we plow through March and, and get into playoff season. So really impressive performance. Um two franchises that 12 months ago were, you know, completely different positions in, in the Western Conference hierarchy and uh it's commendable to the coaching staff that gets to go to Indianapolis to the star players that get to go to Indianapolis to Rudy Gobert to Mike Conley that just get to go rest for a week uh what is it 39 and 16 I don't know the last time I've ever thought I don't I don't know I don't know if the Minnesota Terminals have ever been 23 games over 500 in my life I, I had a thought when Dacian Nix checked into the game with like five minutes to go in the fourth quarter and the Wolves are up by 30 something not a thought. I actually looked it up on Basketball Reference. I was like, "What was Houston's record last season when <laughs> Dacia Nix played for for Houston?" And he actually played a lot for them. But they're twenty two and sixty. And I was like, "He could be on a team after having been on a team that lost sixty games. He could be on a team this year that 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 wins sixty games. That is very much within the the realm of possibilities uh, for this for this team this season. Just because we're kind of hitting on all the." The, the quotes right now, we'll just do this in the, the first segment. I want to do the, the one that really, uh, well, what stood out to me most in this game was, you know, if I was looking for actual basketball things, 
Um, it was it was Carl's defense. Yep. And one one thing I've you know I've mentioned over the the course of the year is what or what that I've noticed is Carl being a rim protector, and he's so much more intentional about walling up at the rim and and taking that contact and sort of embracing it when quite frankly just didn't do that often at all in in the beginning of his career and i you know i i asked i asked rudy about that and what kind of the process of coaching um carl has been on the defensive side of the floor when obviously carl's an elite offensive player has been his entire career like how do you how do you find that how have you helped him elevate his game defensively? I thought it was just a really, really cool quote that I wasn't, uh, I wasn't expecting. He said, I think it's just about being honest. I think throughout his career, I don't think he had somebody that really told him like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? He did say sorry for cursing. Uh, but he said, just like, I need, just like I need him to tell me when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. And I think because he wants to win and I want to win, we're able to have that relationship together where we don't take it personal and we're just able to talk to one another and push one another and challenge one another. The day I got traded here, I knew that was one of the main goals of mine, to challenge Cat to be even more of a winning player. And he took that challenge. It's fun, man. I'm really grateful for that. And once again, the goal is to win a championship. A lot of people doubt us. A lot of people don't believe in us. And that's the beauty of it, too. We believe in ourselves. We believe in one another. And we truly believe that we can write our own story. It's like, damn, Rudy. <laughs> you know, that's that, that's on point. I mean, I think I've talked about this on the pod um, over over the years, but given how sort of bereft of talent this this team has been for mo- much of Carl's career, I think it was always, particularly when he was young, he didn't have that person who could pull him along when necessary or check him when necessary, which is just a an important thing to you know to have and do. I, I really did notice it in that whatever it was a year that Robert covered two half seasons yeah, yeah. that Robert Coving was there. I think that's what I've talked about before. Like they had this this relationship between the two of them. I always said like Covington kind of felt like Towns's older brother to me mm-hmm. in the way that like as an older sibling you can kind of be like, hey, or as Rudy said, to be able to be like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and I didn't expect that with with Rudy Gobert to happen with Carl Anthony Towns. I think it helps a little bit that I think Rudy Gobert and Robert Covington are probably about the same age, you know, three, four years older than 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 Carl is. And there's something that that works there. And I think it's a credit to Carl to be able to take um coaching, advice, pushing from a player who's not necessarily better than you. I actually found that impressive when Covington would do it. I, Beverly, Patrick Beverly, uh, was I thought was that as well, um, and and Rudy has has been able to do that, and I think that's just if the whole Cat and Gobert thing is working, that is at the core of it. Um, is is the the interplay between the two of them, but particularly Carl's willingness after having been you know, the face of the franchise for as long as he has been, not only to seed some stardom to Ant, but to also be receptive to coaching and being pushed by Rudy Gobert and simultaneously uh, pushing Rudy on the other side of it. I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes I, I don't 
poor praise on on Carl that often. I think there's elements of his game that are frustrating, erratic, and all that. But I do find myself this season like ch- trying to check that in myself and be like, yeah, that that still happens. Happened tonight. Happened in these these two Portland games where Carl was up and down. Um, but to be able to accept constructive criticism and coaching and being put in roles that he needs to be. I mean, when I talked to, when I asked Finch about it after the game, he was like, this defense does not work if Carl doesn't do yeah, it. Yeah, that was good. And, um, and they have worked together and Carl has accepted that, uh, to be able to, you know, to be that and that the Wolves are in first plate place at the all-star break in the Western conference, um, is a credit to that stuff happening um, as as much as anything. Simply put, I don't think I've ever been more wrong about a player than Rudy Gobert. Um, and you know, we battle back and forth all the time. Was chicken or egg? Was he healthy? Was he injured last year? Would he did not trust the team? It's whatever. I think, and I I just love this about sports. I, I'm not the numbers guy. I'm not like the advanced stats guy. I just I like the personal growth, like the storytelling. And we were driving home tonight, and we're like, what are we doing? Like with what we do this it's like we're kind of telling some story and it is the story again of it's the same team and the same coaching staff and the training staff it's all the same people that just you're so used to in pro sports when one thing goes wrong that someone demands a trade or you blow it all up and you and it's been cool to watch the same guys that maybe didn't like each other that punched each other in public. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, and now to know that, like, I think Rudy and Kyle are hanging out over the break, all-star break. So it, it's just been a really cool dynamic. And a lot of it, I mean, you can, you could pick anyone and probably win, win an argument, but I do think a lot of it credit goes to Rudy Gobert, who is one of the vets on this team. There's only three or four guys on the whole roster that are North of 30. And for him to kind of have that big brother relationship with Carl, like you said, Carl's best time in the league probably prior to now was when he had that big brother figure like a Robert Covington who probably told him at times what he didn't want to hear but needed to hear and that's what Rudy said again tonight and I think that same mentality is throughout the team right like Mike Conley 48 hours ago was joking with us that like sometimes he's got to tell Ant like I know you don't want to hear this but you got to toughen up and play tonight uh and what was really interesting tonight's game, and this is the last time I'm going to think about it for the rest of my life, is that when the rope started to slip a little bit, the guy who, I mean, you would not have thought that Anthony Edwards would have been the most mature player on the team to like re-grab the rope. And that's what he did tonight. Like it was Nikhil on Tuesday. It was Ant tonight with yep. one foot on his way to Indianapolis that said, no, 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 I'm going to pull this back and kind of go for the kill shot. And he did it. So again, to kind of sum up as far as we've gotten here, uh, vibes are great. <laughs> Team is gelling. Uh, the challenge again, it's, a, I, I don't want to say it's not all roses, but the challenge will be to bottle this up, whatever this is, you know, top rated defense offense is now well, it's, it's back playing as well as they were at the beginning of the season. That that's what I think this is right now is Christmas came and they hit a lull. Mm-hmm. We're back. January was real. Yeah. January was a real thing that you yeah. dissected every day. It was like, you know, and, the way they fixed it, again, all jokes aside, was to just switch sides of the court. But uh, <laughs> they know now that the lull is kind of behind them. I mean, Finch even kind of joked that like their all-star break or whatever was January. Like They just kind of mailed it in, and they've regained the rope. They've regained the place in the standings. 
whether or not the one seed matters to them, it will will figure out in due time. But I think the coaching staff and Finch and all those guys, they just want to be playing their best basketball when it matters most. And the trajectory as we sit here on February 15th with still two months to go is aiming in that direction of, you know, on the other side of the all-star break, seven games at home. They're going to, some of these guys are going to be home for the next three weeks. Uh, that sounds like a benefit. It could also right. be a challenge. Like Finch said, like you got a lot of other stuff around that can distract you. So the job is not done, but that was clearly the message this week of, we know where we are. Well, except for Ant, and the job is not done. And we know that we're all trying to do something that, this organization has literally never done. Let's grab our first break. Today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife Brewing Company. And myself and Britt Robson will be doing a live show at Falling Knife. Might be the next, actually, episode that that we do. Maybe I'll do one over, over All-Star Break. I'm not really sure. But we are going to be at, at Falling Knife on February 22nd, 6 p.m. Uh, we'll be there, kind of do a happy hour. And then at 7 o'clock, kind of like 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, Britt and I will do a live show. We'll talk about where this team is entering the all-star break, what's left to come of the season. And then we always like take it. We'll bring a third mic uh, that people can ask questions there. We've done this a bunch of times at Falling Knife, but it's been a while and uh, we're we're excited uh, to do that. So mark your calendar uh, next Thursday, uh, the, the 22nd, a week from today. Myself, Britt Robson, Falling Knife Brewing Company uh, in Northeast Minneapolis. Uh, come down, probably a lot of people. Um, if it's really important to you to, to get a spot um, and have a have a seat, come early, be there at six. And yeah, we'll we'll hang out, talk some wolves and and kind of reset the scene for the post all-star break portion of the season. So again, Falling Knife Brewing Company, Northeast Minneapolis. And then Kyle, quickly today's show is also uh, brought to you by Prize Picks. I looked at Prize Picks right before we were doing this. Do you know that they have prize picks up for the all-star game? <laughs> You could you can make a prize pick slate. Oh no! For the All Star game, I just saw that Ant was at like seventeen and a half points or, or something. It wasn't one of the highest ones on there. Um, it'd be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what role Anthony Edwards has on the the All Star team. I always the one part I like about the All Star game. This is not a unique take, but the who are the ten players on the floor at the end of the game? You know, uh, when the, when it actually comes and they're trying to win the game, end the game. I'm curious to see if uh, Ant is on the floor uh, for for that time of the game. So, anyways, <laughs> we can talk about the All Star game another time. But uh, no, it's not to, actually. Yeah. Let's never talk about the All Star yeah. game. <laughs> if you do want to uh, look at uh, at Prize Picks and what they have to uh, offer for for the All Star game uh, this this weekend, uh, check it out there. And if you have not created a Prize Picks account and would like to, um, it's really easy. Just go to PrizePicks.com or the Prize Picks app. They will give you a $100 sign-up bonus if you use the promo code Dane. Um, all right, Kyle, let's uh, let's just continue going here by uh, doing just where the Wolves rank at, at the All-Star break. I think it's, one, it's a good time to just set the scene or set the whatever it is, the where they are at um, now 54 games into the season. Um, this is a good time to look at that. And I want to talk about if we think those numbers will improve by season's end or drop off. Uh, we'll start with the offensive side of the floor. The the main one, right, is just offensive rating. Where do this team what does this team rank in offensive efficiency? I did these um uh, before this the game tonight, so it should be accurate. Maybe it's one spot up or down, but those are fifteenth uh in in offense thus far this season. 
And, you know, we don't have to totally retell this that, this story, but obviously the Wolves have been a dominant, dominant defensive team. And the one thing that has held them back that has cost them in the few few games that they've lost this year or the more rough stretches is that the offense hasn't been there. The offense is pretty clearly trending up over these these last three weeks. I think it was um, they're in the third best offense over the last two weeks. This one's pretty easy. We think they're going to finish better than 15th offensively, right? Yeah, again, I mean, the, the only caveat is when things are going so well, you're kind of on a, you know, when you're on a heater at the blackjack table, the last thing you want to do is like go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? And take a break. So this was about as, not that tonight was the best they've ever played, but like that Clippers game might have been. And then you get a couple of nice little easy wins against the Blazers. But can you again, bottle this up. The defense is what the defense is, right? The only reason the defense will slip is simply because of, like, lack of focus, immaturity. Like, we know that this is the best defensive team in the league, and your point about Carl kind of sums that up. Uh, But, yeah, offensively 15th now. Um, I do think, you know, God forbid, that they come out in these last, I mean, 27 games after the break, but I think only 10 of them are on the road. So, you know, 17-10 split with home games, you would hope that just having that extra time, not that these guys really practice anymore in the NBA, but that'll just give you more time to kind of like maybe implement some new things, focus on things that are really going well. So it's a long-winded way of saying I would be shocked if their defense is any worse at the end of the season than the 15th or now. Like I would offense, have them, yeah. Yeah, offense. Yeah, I would have them at, you know, 11th or 12th. I don't know if they can get to top 10. Like I don't really know how seismic you would have to blow this thing up to kind of catch that rating. But uh, if you can be 12th or 13th offense with the number one defense with a bullet, yeah. that's good enough, you know, in my mind to be a true contender as this kicks off in April. And and if they do get up to 12th, it will have meant likely that they were a top 10 offense for the post all-star break. For the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. The fourth of, yeah which they're so great at. Um, If the, if the offense does improve uh, the, the number one area it, it will improve. We can run through a couple of them quickly is turnovers. And if we're assuming the offense is going to get better for the rest of the season, it's pretty easy to take the over, I guess, if that's the right term, that they're 28th in turnover frequency uh, thus, thus far this season, which is crazy to have the third highest turnover rate um, in, in the NBA when you are one of, if not the one of the, one of the best teams in the NBA. So that one we're obviously saying, the turnovers go down. That's been a trend that's already started. That they have been they have been controlling the ball a lot more. There's, you know, palpable things we're seeing on the floor from a spacing standpoint, from a structural standpoint, from an awareness standpoint of the players. That makes you go, you know, there's just, I don't know if there's going to never be another twenty plus turnover game, but I'd be pretty surprised if they have like five of those in 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 the post All Star break the post all-star stretch there. So we'll assume that turnover frequency uh, goes down. And then I think the other main area that is the quote unquote low hanging fruit for them is offensive rebounding on the offensive side of the floor. Uh, They're 20th in offensive rebound rate thus far this, the season, the frequency with which they get offensive rebounds. That that's an interesting one where you just, you just look at the roster, right? You're like, this team should be pretty good at offensive rebounding. They have, a one great offensive rebounder 
in Rudy Gobert, another like pretty great offensive rebounder historically in, in Carl Anthony Towns. It, it, it's the one that I feel like just looking at these, I'm like, yeah, that's going to be better the rest of the way, but it's not totally what they do. What, what, what do you, what do you think about just the sort of maybe more broadly, the idea of being a gigantic team, but not doing that gigantic person thing of just getting more offensive rebounds. That is way too smart of a question for my little brain. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, when you're saying that I'm just like thinking of a possession when they're all, you know, cause spacing, right? Like they're all spaced out around the three point line and Rudy's down there. And like, if Rudy doesn't get an offensive rebound, why would, you know, why would yeah, Carl sure. get one if he's 28 feet from the basket and Ant just took a 27 foot, <laughs> you know, spin, 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 left-handed jump shot. And, Mike and Jaden are spaced on the corner. So I don't know. I don't know if you can, you would think that just naturally with the size that this team has that, you know, especially like with guys like Nas off the bench or Nikhil who are just kind of irritants in that area to mm -hmm. crash the boards and get that, that they would bump that when you say they're 20th in offensive rebound frequency, like you can get that to 16th or something. But uh, I don't know. I just, this is the dumbest thing I've ever said, but if their offense gets better and they maybe just yeah. make more shots, maybe there's less offensive rebounds. Sure, sure, sure. No, uh, I think that's that so. Totally be you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they've been dropping. I think again tonight, right? A fifth game in a row now, franchise record that they've scored 120 plus points on the road. Like points per game is not a thing, but maybe they just make more baskets and they have less oh. offense rebound opportunities, and this doesn't improve. It, it's it's kind of what it's kind of what they've been doing. Um, the the other one, just I guess, bigger offensive stat that is something they have actually been good at this season is getting to the free throw line. I was kind of interested to see their get to the free throw line at the seventh highest rate uh, in in the NBA. I think that's that's trending up too. We've talked a lot about how Ant has added more of that to his game. I actually think kind of navigating some of that and figuring out how to be more of a free throw generator was part of the lull, the post-Christmas lull, right? Like that was a lot of just a lot of frustration from him and not getting those. I think him individually has grown greatly in understanding how to get to the free throw line. Plus you have, you know, just Carl can do that. Rudy actually gets the line a ton because basically two guys fall all over him every time he's, you know, in the restricted area. This team should be good at getting to the free throw line thus far. Um, they should be good at getting the free throw line. They have, they have been thus far. And I don't know if I would say that's going to go up or down, but it needs to, it needs to remain a top 10 ish sort of thing for them because they're not, they do have the turnover issues and they're not great at generating additional possessions. So, how do you like maximize the possessions that you do have efficient shot making, right? Good shot selection and, and, and getting to the free throw line. I think that's, that's something they're, they're good at. And I would be pretty surprised if that fell off. You're making me think way too hard on the fifth podcast of the week for me, but I was just looking this up. They've, I think they've fallen to eighth just randomly with okay. tonight's stats too, but the teams that are in front of them, I think this is a really interesting list. Uh, the yeah, Sixers, no the Sixers, are Indeed. averaging 26 and a half free throws a game. So they're first. I'm not going to tell you who two is yet. Three is the Bucks. Four is the Suns. Five is the Hawks. Six is the Lakers. Seven is the Pelicans. When I just look at that list, I'm like, all those guys, all those teams have like superstars that are really good at drawing fouls. 
And I, you know, you're starting to see that a little bit more with Ant, a little bit more with Carl too. Like obviously it's a team thing to, to have free throws, but uh, I think it's nice and humbling for me because even like on Tuesday, right? Like I thought it was a pretty bad whistle, but it, it would be something that I would address in the next film session. If I was Finch, just like, Hey, you know, I know they missed some calls and I know we get frustrated, but we, we shoot a lot of free throws, <laughs> right? And like the, like the yeah. officiating thing, like, because that's another one that on Tuesday kind of was a bugaboo after we said this earlier that Monday was such a clean officiated game. I know the playoffs are all about kind of letting them play a little bit more, but when this team doesn't get a foul call, I mean, even tonight, Finch said that one of the reasons that it all slipped and kind of cratered was when they lost that challenge and the guys were frustrated. They have to, that, they can't let that be their Achilles heel. Like they get outplayed, get out schemed, get outscored, but don't get out mentaled or whatever. Um, but just to go back to the thing, the second team, curious, those, the Orlando Magic. Huh. I don't know. I would not have had, I mean, I would not have, I would not have on my bingo that. card. But I mean, Paulo's kind of like, to, sure. to your point, yeah, about yeah, like in, in the, the, the and, Zion sort yeah. of mold in, in a way there. And yeah, and as is, that's why Ant, Ant is that for the Wolves. That's what's that's what's driving it, them to be top 10 there. But it is one of my favorite of all the stats you sent me. It is one of my favorite because I, I do think that the best players in the league just get to the foul line a lot because it's the easiest way to rally, tally up points. And I think the best teams get to the foul line because again it's the easiest shot in basketball so uh they're eighth as we close this third quarter of the season uh i would imagine that does go up i mean it probably is not going to go up to top five but you got teams in there that you know who knows what the hawks do and beads out so that is that is a metric though that i would be like chasing every day and trying to figure out where are they because if it slips to 15th that would be like a pretty big red flag as they enter the playoffs we're just saying Better, better, better for all the offensive things. But I think that is the offense is coming around, right? Like we'll that, get, that's yeah. just a, that's just my honest assessment of it is we've been talking about can this team turn a corner offensively for two months now? And it does seem in the last ten games that finally that that's here. And it's not feels like more than a blip. And at the end of the day, having finally getting to your your offense to where it needs to be is is incrementally improving these stats that increase your possessions and increase your you know your efficiency you have something well as you say on the one stat of all those we talked about that because we did we were all like prize picking more 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 the one that i'm would bet my life on that does improve is that turnover frequency for sure and one that one additional thought from tonight's game the player who probably needs the all-star break the most is Monty Morris. Like, you know, like they, they, <laughs> they, they, they didn't pay anything to really get him, but I do think Finch looks at him as a really important piece down the stretch. I mean, they've been trying to get Mike Conley to play a little less minutes and maybe cap that at a 30 ish, but he just looked out of sorts tonight. Probably needs a week to just get in shape again. Uh, they tried him with different rotations. I mean, he I played mean, a little remember bit. what happened with Mike Conley last year too, right? When, it was and I was the... and I was sitting next to Horton all night. He said the guy that really benefited from the All Star break last year was Nikhil because Nikhil uh, yeah. came in and it didn't really look good. I mean, Finch said pregame Nikhil was. Uh, uh, we got to find that quote at some point. Nikhil came into this team a year ago and was like broken. Yeah, and he used that All Star break. He stuck around in Minneapolis. He made himself home. 
was in the gym every day and kind of came out of that right. all-star break and was humming. So I hope that from, I mean, Monty Morris is a small piece of this, but they need Monty Morris in that second unit to help lower the turnovers, to help get these guys, you know, to be another DD for this roster. And I just, I can't believe I just went five minutes on Monty Morris, but I, I think he having a week and a half, no, a couple weeks at home would be big point. because that's, that's another one. So turnover mm-hmm. frequency should hopefully improve with him in the fold. And this one's less about are they going to be better or, or worse than, but I think it's just worth kind of saying where they're at from a shooting standpoint. Um, going into the All-Star break, they are third in the NBA, and or not, sorry, not third. They are second in the NBA in three-point percentage. They were tied with the Clippers uh, going into this game tonight, and they're, they shot th- they're 40.3% from three on the season. They shot 36 37% tonight, so it goes down a little bit. Uh, the Clippers didn't play. So the Wolves are second in, in three-point percentage on the season, obviously. We know we can talk about it a little bit. Uh, the volume's not huge, but they are second in three-point percentage. They're 18th in mid-range um, field goal percentage. What stood out to me about when I was looking at that, they're 14th from that like floater range, right? Uh, long, long mid-range shots, 28th. Like that's part of the shot selection thing here too is just cut... <laughs> Cutting out your long mid-range shots, which you make at a 38% clip, and replacing them as much as you can. You know, it's it's the most nerdy analytic thing Stepping ever. Stepping back like- six inches would probably <laughs> be the most valuable thing other than just swapping sides of the court. And, and so much of it is just like kind of turning that dial in your head up when you're beyond the three-point yeah, arc. Yeah. I think about it with Carl a lot, right? Like, it might just be okay to take this half-contested three a little bit more. And... and I think actually when we talk about the last 10 games, I think he has been doing more of that. There has been more of the the gunner mentality and and a confidence from from the rest of the guys. I mean, they have a they have like six guys on this team who are shooting 38% or better from three. Um they they have shooters that can make them if you find them in rhythm. So I don't know. Do I think they're they're gonna go from having the second best three point percentage to first at the end? No, but this is a team. It's actually gonna probably go down, right? Because I do think the volume's gonna go up. Um, but the, they have enough shooting on this team, which is weird to say when we've talked about the spacing all the time, um, they have enough shooting to be a good shooting team. And, and that has the, the numbers kind of, kind of bear that out. But, uh, the last one was at the rim. This one surprised me a little bit, uh, 15th, just average at their rim field goal percentage. That's for sure an area that I would say can and should get better. Just, Rudy Gobert, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, all three of those guys can score dynamically at the basket. There's there's no reason that that shouldn't be uh, above average, and I think I think think that will come there. But mid range, I I you know I don't know three point maybe goes down a little bit. I'd like to I'd like to see that kind of as as much as anything be be the big team, not just like you got the two centers, but Ant is big too, forceful, like impose your will at the rim that's that's i just think that's how this team wins offensively and and if it's not there and you see two bodies drive and kick right and and take those threes that are open that's what's changed to me most in the past two three weeks is is the purpose with which they're going to the basket and the they're better understanding those reads that we you know, remember a month ago we were like there's 
there's reads to be made here. It's not just structured play sets that are like pick screen. This guy takes a shot like and that that that's coming around. And and as it comes around, I think where you probably see that most is is at the basket. It really is like a single game parlay. You know what I mean? Like it, it, to yeah. the to the long mid range thing, if everyone just takes a half step back, right, and embraces shooting more threes, but now you have a team that is second in three point percentage, and they're taking more threes, and the spacing is a little better, then yeah, you would just imagine as part of this single game parlay that there's more space for guys like Carl, guys like Ant, mm-hmm. to attack the rim, to get to the rim, and not have to worry about so many bodies. I mean, the spacing three four weeks ago, the whole month of January was terrible. I don't think. We've talked about this all week. I don't think they're running that many more plays. It's just more understanding of the reads and embracing mm-hmm. the things. Like you said, I mean, Nikhil and Nas come in now and every night it's almost like a guaranteed we're taking at least four threes a game. Sure. That's not nothing mm-hmm. when you have two guys off the bench that can, you know, I, I miss Malik Beasley so much because he would just come in and let Terrible. it let it fly. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's just all interconnected that if they can, like you said, you're almost dead last in long mid-range. Well, just, Okay, that's like the easiest thing to point at. Like, well, stop doing that. Right. Take a step back or get to the rim. And if they can kind of just line all of those little dominoes up. Which it, they have been. Yep. It have been, yeah. Mm-hmm. It goes back to, I mean, it all kind of started with that Bulls game, even though they they dropped it. Just the Bulls game, the Bucks game, the Clippers game, these last two games, starting to find the spacing, make the right reads. I still believe in the whole, you know, 30 or more assists makes them unbeatable type thing. And make I think they're 18-2 and two now in the season when they do that. So... Uh, it's all interconnected. It's all part of this bigger formula. But um, a lot of these offensive stats, I know we were kind of optimistic there, but there's so much meat on the bone for this offense to just get better because they have so many good offensive players. Uh, let's grab another break quick and then uh, hit on the defense and just some some final thoughts before our all-star break. Back with Kyle here in a couple minutes. Today's show is brought to you by Dewar, D-U-E-R, and I've been telling you how much I love my Dewar jeans. I packed both of my pairs for this trip. Kyle and I went to dinner on Monday before the game. I wore my Dewar jeans, perfect for that, clean, real jeans with the right amount of sort of stretch to them. But my favorite pair from Dewar is the no sweat pants. I have those in a dark black, super easy to wear with anything, formal enough to pull off a nice shirt or jacket, comfortable enough. To wear with a hoodie. I've worn them to games uh, a handful of times. Dewar makes stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel for men and women with an elevated style that does stand apart. Plus, Dewar is committed to using 85% plant-based materials for natural softness. Trust me, you want Dewar in your wardrobe. I love them. Uh, order your new favorite jeans today. Check out Dewar's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shopdewar.com slash Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL, shopduer.com slash Moore. Don't wait. To get 15% off now, go to shopduer.com slash Moore. Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp, and relationships with our family, friends, and significant others can be hard work. It's a common misconception, right, that relationships are supposed to be easy. It's not like when we were kids, we just hung out like by default with our siblings and our friends playing video games, shooting hoops, whatever. They're not easy like that anymore. Our relationships take work and therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in any of your relationships. Therapy can teach us coping skills and how to set boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. It really isn't 
just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient for you with flexibility that meets your schedule, and it's entirely online. To get matched with a licensed therapist through BetterHelp, you just need to fill out a brief questionnaire, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge if you need. Become your own soulmate. Whether you're looking for it or not, visit BetterHelp.com slash Jane Moore to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Jane Moore. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Kyle, um, as we did on the offensive side of the ball, just as a way of kind of talking about where the, the defense is uh, entering the all-star break, let's let's talk about where they rank in, in some key categories. Obviously, everyone knows the Wolves have been uh, the, the number one defense in the league all season. Uh, doesn't really seem like that's going to slip away. I know Cleveland's making a push. Uh, they've been great defensively for the past few months. But the Wolves were at 108.8 and Cleveland's at 111. It, it, it's got like the Wolves could almost like Denver Nuggets the end of the season, like Denver did last season, and I think still come out the the number one defensive team. But it is important to be this defensive team. Like that, that's that's what this is probably the area where you're looking most to be like, are they playing holding that standard, playing to that standard they talk about and uh and holding it there? It is it it really has just become a a bankable thing and an element of basketball that isn't really bankable night to night defensive execution and effort and obviously so much of that has to do with 
Gobert and the intention they bring there. But yeah, this is the best defensive team in the league, and I'd be shocked if that's not where it ends this season. Yeah, and the defense being first, again, with a bullet, almost three points better than Cleveland, who's at second, uh, is kind of emphasized by all the fluffy shit we talked about for the first 15 minutes of this pod. It's it's effort, right? I mean, not to take you behind the scenes here, but no one wanted to cover this game and do a podcast less than I did today. I mean, it's like what you're just worn down. You're like, I just want to break. I just want to, you know, I just want that Christmas vacation to just kind of chill. And for them to kind of bring it every night, I know it sounds cliche, but it really is their identity. And I, I still can't think of a Timberwolves team of the past that's really had a true identity. This is, I mean, Finch is a sicko in the fact that he likes playing road games because he knows that their defense now just is a carry-on bag for them. They they bring it everywhere they go. And there's something to me as a basketball, I don't, not purist, but fan that, I think being a really good defensive team would be something I would hate to go against as an opponent more than like a really good offensive team. Yeah. Because an offensive team, it's like bet, right. challenge accepted. Like, I'm going to try to outscore you. A defensive team is like, you're just looking at pushing a rock uphill. And I mean, I don't, I don't know how the, what the Clippers game looked like, right? For the Clippers. Yeah. It's like this anaconda of just strangling your opponent. I mean, even tonight when the, the Wolves would go on these scoring binges to kind of knock the Blazers out. It was led by their defense. It was stop, 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 then bucket, bucket, bucket. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would be shocked if the defense slips. I don't really care if it slips to two or three. I mean, who knows how that all works out. But uh, that is going to be the thing that for the first time in 20 years potentially allows them to win a playoff series Mm -hmm. is can they play this level of defense when the lights are the brightest and it's amplified in April and May against teams that are really scouting you and really trying to find, you know, sorry, but like that, that goat path in the, in the movie 300. Uh, if you don't have a goat path on this team, that defense is, is championship caliber. Seventh in turnovers generated defensively and ninth in, in defensive rebounding. I think like if I just told you a team was the number one defense, by a mile, you'd maybe think both of those things were a little bit higher. Though I was thinking about it with the turnover thing, they're not they're not really a take the ball away from you team. They're more of a we're gonna make the shots you take be bad shots. Which isn't that actually what good defense is? Yeah. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Like I remember like, like the maybe first, turnovers like, isn't the main thing. Maybe year two or I don't know, year three of Ant, it's like you would get all those steals. Like he was like top five in the league and steals like, oh my God, that's awesome. Like he's a great defender. And it's like, well, he just got back to our cup for the fourth time. Uh that that's that's real defense. That is like yeah. just making the shots you get very contested, very difficult, and then grabbing the defense. I mean, I was trying to Rudy Gobert up. defense. I'm trying to look this up now. Like I'm a little sh- like ninth seems low. Like I would have I would have thought that this was like a top five defensive rebounding team. Whatever. Ninth mm-hmm. is still really good, but uh yeah, I, to, to your takeaway thing, yeah, they're not they're not a, a NFL defense that leads the league in interceptions. They just grind you out into three yeah. and outs. Um, the the other one is that the one of the four factors is the the frequency. Uh, do you have it? If I, did it surprise you that they're twelfth in that they allow? So they they get to the free throw line at the seventh highest frequency and allow their opponents to get to the free throw line against them at the twelfth highest frequency. Is that Check out in your head. Checks out. No idea how to answer that question, so I'm just going to put <laughs> something ahead of my notes. 
Do you know how many times Jaden McDaniels fouled out to begin the season? So in the 2023 part of the season? No. Four. And it was like the equal amount of games now that we've since played in 2024. In 2024, so six and a half weeks, he's fouled out once. Yeah. And that, again, is a real Kyle low-level stat. But I, I just kept thinking tonight as Jaden was kind of hooping on offense. And yeah, Finch has always really well. said... Jaden, ironically, is like the barometer of our offense. And you and I have now formed this thing where like Carl might be the floor. He's been so consistent. Ant is the ceiling. When Jaden plays like that offensively, it's almost like they don't have a ceiling. But then they come back to the defense thing. It's like I know people have been frustrated a little bit with Jaden's offense, but defensively, if he's not going to foul out and he's going to be out there, I mean, that is still he's not even still- being foul trouble. I mean, that's the thing is that it's just so discombobulating for him to, you know, oh, I picked up the two in the first quarter, and then you check back in in the second quarter, and you pick up that third one a minute in, and now you're out for the whole rest of that quarter there. I mean, it was might have only been four foul outs in the 2023 portion of the season, but how many more times was he removed from the game just for foul trouble? Like six, seven? I mean, it was a ton at the beginning of the season. I think that's wise to point out him in particular with with fouling with this team and while like cat committing offensive fouls isn't directly correlated to free throw frequency against like that's gone down you know there haven't been really gotten a little bit of foul trouble tonight yeah. but i was just even i put that down in my notes like that's been a while you know yeah. that that hasn't been that hasn't been a, a thing and around christmas it was it was like every other game it felt like rudy was in foul trouble so it does it does seem like something they have checked out or they've improved on they're they're at 12th as, as we sit here today and then uh just quickly on the what teams are shooting against them obviously they're the number one defense so these are going to be really good they're fifth in three point percentage against 35.7 percent it's kind of crazy it's like a whole five percent worse than what they shoot at threes themselves that's like it's a huge gap in if, three point percent if you were listening to this podcast and you didn't know what that meant like myself, can you explain what that means? Like, is fifth good? Fifth, yeah, yeah. Fifth okay. best. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Fifth best three point percentage against. Okay. Got them. it. Got it. Fifth um, is good. So when teams play the Wolves, they have bad three point shooting nights the majority of the time. And we used to think, like, oh, that's just bad luck or the team just shot cold. But it, I've come around and listened to you, and like, I, that's not really the case anymore, right? I mean, you like, there's, well, they're, they're just a shot contest team. Yeah, they are. Yes, yes. Like, that's because they're not, I, I, they're not that take the ball away from you team. And, and, and the other one is mid range. They have the second best mid range percentage against them. That's where I see it the most is, and I think the Clippers games, both of those are really good examples of re watching that Clippers game. I did that on Tuesday. It was like, Man, every time like Kawhi or Paul George would try and get into the mid range and get their shot, like get a shot from there where they're great at making those shots, it was like Ant or Jaden made them take the shot from 10 feet when they're normally like mm-hmm. their spot is eight. Yeah, it was like, like the Kawhi thing when he had the ball two feet under the basket. Yeah. And Rudy was there mm-hmm. and Kawhi then had to take it from six feet and it was a fadeaway. Right. It's just, again, like, can we just. We're not trying to intercept. We're not trying to force fumbles. Can we just make it so that whatever you're trying to do is just 5 or 10% harder? Mm-hmm. And in a league that is so routine-dominated and you're yeah. doing the same things and the best of the best have their quote-unquote spots, 
forcing guys to just have that spot be nine inches to a foot a little further away. Seriously that is literally all this is about. Yeah. That is how the NBA, like that is how you win games is just making these guys a little uncomfortable and have to think about it. Absolutely. Um, and then the the final one is at the rim. Um, they have the third best rim defense in, in the NBA, uh, 62%. Obviously, a lot of that is Gobert, but like we were talking about with Kat earlier too. I was gonna say, like, he was awesome. Yeah, and, and it's it really is the the walling up thing. That's not a fun thing to do on a basketball floor. You're basically like, all right, expose expose my chest, just come yeah, jump nail. up, yeah. hand straight up, don't <laughs> right. cover spots that should be covered, and just let this guy hit you in the chest. I also think they have good like external or secondary rim protectors. Nas Reed, I wouldn't say Nas Reed is a great defender or a great individual rim protector. You don't love it when he's at the five. But if he's coming in as the second guy, like he's going to block shots. He's going to alter shots. Jaden, who's started to play off ball a little bit more this season because maybe you can put Nikhil on the ball or Ant on the ball or Mike on the ball. Um, that's a that's an additional rim protector. Ant is is a rim protector himself at times, too. So, well, I think most people would look at like, oh, the Wolves have one of the best you know field goal percentages against at the rim. That's Rudy Gobert. Yeah, it's a, a, a ton of that. It's Rudy Gobert. It's not all Rudy Gobert. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a defense as a whole that they don't pursuit. That's the word I always use. Like and and when they are pursuing at a high level, they are altering shots at a high level, and in turn, the opponent's field goal percentage goes down. That's obviously been reflected thus far this season. It's 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 pretty impressive to be top five. And three point percentage against, mid range percentage against, and rim defense uh, percentage against. That's a we talk a lot about three level scorers. Like the Wolves are three level defenders. They allow a lot of mid range shots, but even those, they 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 do a really good job of contesting. So that's that's where the Wolves rank um, defensively. Ran through those offense and defense. We'll see how those move over the course of the season. I think to you know, be the one seed or have the aspirations of being a team you feel confident in potentially being able to go to the Western Conference Finals or further. Some of these things, there is room to get a little bit better in, I think, every one of these areas. There's not there's not a stat in here, maybe other than defensive rating, where they're number one at, where I can't be like, I, I see a path to them getting even better in, in the final 25 games of this season. And that's a good place to be. That's, just, that's a good place to be going into the break is – a bona fide winner, one of the best teams in the NBA, and you can still see a path to continue to improve on on both sides of the ball. So, um, any other sort of final All Star break thoughts before we call just it night? Because you inundated the listeners with so many stats, just a couple courtesy of our friend Alan Horton, because uh, I thought they were interesting. Tonight was Minnesota's seventeenth two game series since the NBA adopted it back in I think twenty twenty one. I love um, these, and this was just the third sweep. So again, to my point, 14 of those little two-game series, the Wolves kind of just split or probably got swept. Um, it's not an easy thing to do, and it's a feather in the cap of a team that had every reason to just kind of finally mail one in because half their flying party was going to a different city, and they and they didn't. Um, four wins in a row, nine victories in their last 12 games. Uh, first time in franchise history that the Minnesota Timberwolves are the number one team in the West at the All-Star break. It's a pretty good place to leave it. Um, out of the break, 
was it seven in a row at home? Seven in a row at home, and then right. r- randomly like a five game road trip. Uh, <laughs> so seven at home, and then five on the road. But yeah, they're, they're, if you're not in the All Star game and you're not going to Cabo with Leonard Miller, you basically have the next three weeks to just right. go home and practice and get your body right. So I'm good looking time. forward to that. <laughs> yeah, you too. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Bucks and Nets next, not this weekend, but next weekend are those two games. I wanted to make sure to plug here at the end that we do have a pair of tickets to give away to that game against Brooklyn on uh, Saturday, February 24th. We are giving away uh, pairs of tickets to, to games throughout the season uh, to our Patreon subscribers uh, who you know help support the show. And uh, it's one of our ways to be able to just sort of give back there. So you can become a Patreon subscriber by going to patreon.com slash Dane Moore MBA. But really, this is for those of you who, you know, have been supporting the show. Five bucks a month uh, helps us keep the lights on. And uh, if you would, if you are available to go on February 24th, uh, please let us know. Uh, Send us a DM on Patreon. And from those people who let us know, we will select someone to to go to that game they're low level seats kind of middle of the floor middle of the section there there um seems like from the people who have sent me pictures or messages afterwards that they're they're really good seats there so again patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash dane more mba send us a message on there that you are uh, available and we will pick somebody for those two tickets kyle that's all i got um this was uh it's an awesome. It's a tradition. We've been doing uh, these these Portland trips, these these two game sets, uh, very different than 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 a year ago. But I appreciate you doing a million pods with me this week. Yeah, and before we close, we started sappy. Got to end a little sappy. A sincere thank you to. There's a lot of Timberwolves jerseys and Nas Reed shirts. And stuff at Moda Center this I week. Say, yeah, and if you know anything about there. if you know anything about the Portland Trailblazers or this like, there's not a baseball team, there's not a football team. Like this is their sport, and historically it was really hard to get in because the Blazers are so good. But Moda Center for two nights this week was packed with Timberwolves fans, and a lot of them came up to us and chopped it up. And just a sincere—I know I'm speaking for you—and I'll kick the rock back to you, but a sincere thank you. This is—I mean, Jim Pete was over the moon about it all week, hanging out with him. This is the probably maybe the best team this franchise has ever had. And there's not a lot of ones to compare it to, which is sad, but this has been really fun. And the people that support this, support me, support the show, uh, it's been a really fun ride. And if you if you haven't bought in yet, there is still time. Uh, but I think this is a really cool thing that the players know is not done. This isn't the final chapter. Uh, but yeah, I just we got to see a lot of Timberwolves fans in a place I temporarily call home and it was a it was a cool moment for me so i appreciate everyone that listens to flagrant house listens to dane reads chris supports everyone else uh timberwolves fans are the best it was cool the or what I, i've never seen before and happened both games here was a real pile of wolves fans around the tunnel yeah on was, the way out of there was a guy like, in a, a, a t-shirt that was all anthony edwards faces well i did see that <laughs> i saw that and then anthony edwards was like a two feet away like signing autographs um yeah man it's that that is one of the denver and portland of the stadiums i you know go to every year it's always really noticeable how many wolves fans are there but it's all over the place man they showed on the broadcast all the time like um yeah, I mean, basketball runs deep in Minnesota and through Minnesota, even even once you I think once you leave it and the 
Yeah, everybody who was watching the Wolves games in the dark, right? Um, they're they're out, <laughs> and uh, what a you know that that that's one of the coolest things I think for me for this season is uh, to see the people who spend a ton of money uh, to go to games, uh, spend a lot of time, and I mean selfishly for me or personally for me, uh, spend a lot of time listening to us talk about this team. Uh, I I always glad to see that be repaid and this season really has been not just from a winning standpoint but we were talking about that today too that we didn't even talk about it tonight but the vibe of the team like it's shoot around and they're doing they're, they're doing the thing the left-handed you know take a the left-handed shooting contest between anthony edwards and, and mike conley and conley wearing the finchy that's my dog shirt like it's uh it's cool that it's a fun team too, and I don't know enough about that Utah team to know how fun or not it was. I kind of feel like it wasn't that fun. Um, th- this team has the number one defense, and that like kind of sounds like a boring style of game, but it is. It is a. I think it is a fun team to to follow, not just like on the floor, but but off it too. It's like you said with the story thing. It's been it's been cool for me to to be able to tell a cool story this year i've told a lot of dumb stories <laughs> this and, is this is a cool one and not a lot of stories not a lot of your favorite movies a lot of your favorite series have great endings or perfect endings right but that doesn't you know not to spoil it but breaking bad doesn't end the way i wanted it to end you know it was the best show i've ever watched so it's kind of like this thing like 29 teams come june 18th they're probably going to be miserable uh but that doesn't mean you can't have fun along the way. And this has been more fun than I could have ever imagined. And this show, Flagrant House, any of this stuff doesn't really exist without the same people that came up to us tonight sure. and wanted to talk and chop it up. So, uh, and if I could have one sh- shameless plug because you're here, uh, best episode of Flagrant House we've ever done. <laughs> it had nothing to do with any of the games, but we had uh, we had Jim Pete on today again, me and Phil Mackey, and then uh, your favorite podcaster, Dane Moore, made an appearance. So, Check that out. I was I did not know I was making him. I'm staying here with Kyle <laughs> at his uh, at his house, and I did not realize they were recording. And I just but I we got, walked but, you into know, the f- background. Five pods between us this week makes me sound like I walked in naked or something. I was uh, it was not. Tune no. in, check out the YouTube. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if we did five pods this week, and you might have a like a quick appearance to one tomorrow. But if you if you're looking for something to tide you over the next couple of days, these pods are not going to go out of style. They're not going to become stale yeah. because there's no more games coming. So. Catch up on all that. Enjoy a break. Watch the Genesis Golf Tournament this weekend. Uh, and then get ready because once this thing kicks back off a week from tomorrow, the Wolves play again on, like you said, next Friday. Uh, it's that it's the final 25% of a of a marathon. Sure. And then it's going to be, I mean, I do get chills thinking about what Target Center was like during that Grizzlies series and during that Nuggets series. And I would be shocked if it's not amplified by a multiplier of 10 this year when the team is like we're actually good right. we got some stuff we can hang our hat on so uh thanks to everyone that supports us uh yep. you're enjoy the, best, the and enjoy the break enjoy the break um i am not sure if J- i think maybe jason and i will record on like tuesday or or wednesday next week um but for sure that show uh, at at falling knife so whether it's i talked to you um with the uh, episode with jace early in the week or if it's just at Falling Knife with Brit. Again, appreciate you listening. And yeah, check out Kyle's stuff over at Flagrant House and with Score North. And thank you for listening to all these episodes this week. Until 
end of All-Star break. He's Kyle Tagge. I'm Dave Moore. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com